DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Thor Nystrom. He writes for NBC Sports Edge. Covers the NFL Draft, lead college football writer. Thor, good morning. How are you doing, gentlemen? Doing well. As you know, Zach Wilson's climb up the draft board has been met here in Utah by uh, smiles and high fives from the BYU faithful and snorts of derision from Ute fans and Utah State fans. The rivalries rage on here. And I'm curious because if he goes number two to the Jets, like everyone seems to think he is, you know, they'll win, they'll lose, people will judge him. But the Jets have been uh, more a mess than not for a long period of time. And I'm curious if that is a franchise a quarterback should want to go to. Obviously, they've been shaking things up now with the leadership. How much faith do you have in the Jets going forward? Um, that's man, that's a tough question historically to ask anyone. Um, probably not the most just because of you know where they've been and whatnot. And, and it, you know, as, as far as the, the decision with, with Wilson, fascinating, right? I mean, like, you had to pay a prohibitive cost to do that transition from from Sam Darnold to to Wilson, right? Like you got a second round pick and a couple of ancillary picks later on once, but now you're going to be, you know, I mean, they would have gotten an absolute boatload for that second pick if they'd gone the other way. So, it, I mean, it's a, it's a fascinating decision for me. Uh, there's a little bit too much risk in Wilson's profile for me personally to have been willing to pay that price. But I certainly understand what you know where they're coming from. Uh, you don't see players with with that kind of an arm come into the league every year. You know, it's just it was lasers everywhere. You know, I mean, the the jump up he took, I I, I would understand wanting to uh, sort of stake the future of my franchise on that arm for sure. So it looks like the emphasis on quarterbacks has never been greater. And there's five guys. We talked about Wilson and Lawrence and Fields and Mac Jones and Trey Lance. So those five. At what pick in the first round do you think we will get to and have all those five guys be gone? That's a really interesting question. So, you know, Schefter reported uh, a couple weeks ago that there'd be four in the top seven. It seems like that's just about a lock right now. Um, I would say, you know, as, as the board is presently constituted, you would almost think that nine would, would be the floor for the fifth one, right? Like, because whether it's Atlanta or Detroit for the uh, fourth one or, you know, trade-up iteration, et cetera, um, and then you have Denver, you know, at the ninth slot if they have not moved up. So I, I would think that that would be where five would, would go off the board. Um, but even, you know, outside of that, if, there, if there's moves and stuff like that, worst-case scenario for any of those guys, I, I just don't see how they would even drop to the Patriots at 15, which is what you would usually think of as, as sort of the floor for these guys, that that would be the absolute, absolute nightmare for, for the fifth one. But um, right now, nine realistically might be the floor for the fifth one. So if you already have your quarterback and you're drafting in the top nine and you see some of the players who are there, you must be drooling, thinking, well, you don't need a quarterback. Let these guys fight over the quarterbacks. We got our guy. And to add Pitts to your receiver core or to add Sewell to your offensive line, it seems like these other teams that aren't drafting quarterbacks aren't getting talked about. But it seems like if they don't trip over themselves or if they don't get crushed by injuries because that can wreck anybody's career in the NFL, they're, they're going to they're gonna do great. They're really going to make out in this draft. Yeah, it, it, that's a really good point. Um, you know, starting with Atlanta, for instance, you know, like a, a team that if they don't take a quarterback, you, you just have Kyle Pitts, right? Like, it, I mean, it's who I would take. 
Um, but outside of Pitts, who is, is a generational unicorn-type talent at his position, you have a couple other guys like that. Uh, for me, Penny Sewell is like that. He, he's the best offensive lineman that I've evaluated in the last five years. So I put him above, you know, the, I mean, like the, a priority player, right, in the, in, in the top ten. Jamar Chase is one of the best receivers we've had come out in the last couple of years as well. And so your, your point is very well taken where, yes, this is a very good quarterback class in, in the same way and, and maybe even some inside the NFL would perceive it as a bit better than our last five quarterback first round. You know, the, the one with, with Mayfield and Allen and Rosen and, and Lamar Jackson, et cetera, and Darnold, I, I, I suppose. Um, this one is, is going to end up, in terms of draft equity, more investment in the five quarterbacks. Because I, like I just said, I don't think the last one is falling to, to the 32nd slot like Lamar Jackson did. And the manifestation of that is, these other three, four, five, you know, however many you want to put in that group of players at other positions that are not only the best players at their position this year, but if you put them into a bucket of the last three or four or five, where they would also be at the at the top of the class. And Sewell is one of the, for me, you know, and, and Pitts for sure, if you put it the last decade at a bucket, um, they're either going to come out at the top or, or near it. And so, again, your point's very well taken where th- this this rat race to get up the board to take all these quarterbacks, the, the natural offshoot of it is that it's going to push some of those guys maybe just a little bit lower uh, down the board. You know, whether they drop a slot or two lower or whether it's, you know, four or five slots lower, there's going to be very good deals to be had for some of those teams that are not looking for quarterbacks in the top 15. So we pretty much have Lawrence 1, Wilson 2. Uh, number 3 is the Niners, and obviously they've made some moves there. And we suspect a quarterback, but we don't know which one. Which one do you think they would take? Yeah, so right now, I, I think with the tea leaves, you, you would just have to go chalk with Mac Jones. Even though, you know, for me, like, when, when that news came, came out that the Niners were trading up and that all the rumors started with Mac Jones, my, my initial reaction was, I will believe that the 49ers take Mac Jones when, when, when Roger Goodell states his name, you know, being right off of a card um, on, on that last Thursday night in, uh, of this month. But since then, you know, it, it wasn't just the initial smoke, which is sort of mysterious as is, you know, just that, uh, you know, basically the quarterback that everyone agreed was fifth was this guy that, that, that a team had traded three first-round picks and a third-round pick to move into the third slot to take as, as the third quarterback. Um, but then the, the reports that we saw after that, it, it, it has confirmed it even more because, you know, it wasn't just like, you know, for instance, Chris Sims, one of my colleagues, he, he is a friend of, of, of Kyle Shanahan and the Shanahan family, et cetera. He was one of the ones saying it like right away. Um, but then in the week after that, uh, in the weeks after that, um, Adam Schefter reported that the 49ers were going to take uh, Mac Jones. And then we saw um, – uh, Peter King recently said, uh, this is in a, his column on Monday, he said that decision hasn't been made, but he would assume that, the, the, you know, that right now the, the pick is, is Mac Jones. And then in you know, mock drafts around the industry from the respected sort of industry indicator guys like Mel Kuyper, you know, you're starting to see him slotted in there. And then you know, for the, the last piece of it is in terms of Vegas odds, Mac Jones before that trade occurred, wasn't even in the stratosphere for the you know the, the the top guys in terms of favor to go with the third pick. Um, it was up to minus like two twenty five for Mac Jones to be the third pick earlier this week. It's now like closing in on minus three fifty. 
So it's like it, it, he's certainly he's not in the odds range of like Trevor Lawrence is like minus you know fifty thousand to be the first pick, and and Zach Wilson at this point is like minus ten thousand. But he he's like certainly creeping up uh, that way in 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 terms of that. So it, it's something that you know. That's what I think is is, is going to happen, barring a, a last second change. We could get one though. Uh, the Forty ers are going to be at Justin Field, the second throwing session this week, and next week they're going to Trey Lance's second throwing session. And it, you know, maybe who knows? Well, we will end up seeing. But it's like you know, it's sort of like the you know the Bachelor show uh, on ABC when like during Fantasy Suite week you have the last date with the Bachelor and like. That's like an important thing or whatever, the, the last impression. Trey Lance is going to get that. Um, and so I, I would almost think if it's not Mac Jones, it, the, the surprise or the audible would be to Trey Lance as opposed to Justin Fields. But this is all conjecture. There's only two guys that know what's going to happen there. And, and Shanahan and, and John Lynch aren't telling anybody. Thor Nystrom joining us, lead college football and NFL draft writer for NBC Sports Edge. So let's flip it around for the quarterbacks and also for the guys like Pitts and Sewell who are top 10 picks. You want to go higher because your money gets better, but you also want to go to an organization that's got a chance of winning. Now, the Niners are up high because they're coming off a bad year, but they were just in a Super Bowl too, so the organization doesn't look so messed up. If you're a player, which teams do you want to go to and which organizations do you absolutely want to avoid? I would say, like, in this class, if I was a top 10 pick, you know, especially like, you know, we were just talking about like, you know, the teams that don't need a quarterback and then some of these unicorn prospects. If I was one of them, the team that I would want to go to is the Dolphins because of how well they have set themselves up, mostly because of Laramie Tunsil. And honestly, you go back to Laramie Tunsil's stepfather, put, putting out the, the pictures, you know, the, the morning of the draft or, you know, the, the night of his draft that pushed Tunsil down the board and to the Dolphins and then allowed them to accrue all of these picks first from the Texans, you know, in the, in the trade for him and then. Of course, in, in this trade, you know, the, the most recent one dropping from the third slot that had been the Texans, picking up the two future picks from the, the, the 49ers, they have the quarterback in two. I, I believe in him a little bit more than the, the fans do there. Let, let's get him some receivers and, and, and see how that pans out. Um, but it's not just him. Like, they've already started to fortify that, that roster in a very real way. Numerous positions. We saw how they, they improved this past season. Multiple first-round picks this year, multiple first-round picks next year, multiple first-round picks the year after that. Um, and, and so that would be a team that, that I would look at because not only that, you have the rookie quarterback under the rookie deal. As we know, that is your window. It, you know, it, it, you know, outside barring having Tom Brady, you know, that then that just becomes your window. But outside of that, like, you know, teams are looking to hit on these, these rookie quarterbacks because then for five years, you get them at this cap, you know, price that is severely depressed against what it otherwise would be if, if they were on the free market the, the the difference in those two figures, that's a real tangible thing that, that improves your roster. It's just money you can delineate to other positions. I think they're in a really good position going forward, the Dolphins. Outside of Sewell, who else do you like in the Pac-12 will be your next prospect? Not necessarily a first round. I don't think there's going to be one. But is it somebody like Little from Stanford? You know, little little concerns me a little bit. Um, you know, just just in terms of the profile, having having really not played for a couple of seasons, but he's fascinating. You know, j- just as like in, in terms of like, uh, you know, sort of the biggest band between what he could become and what his floor is. Th- there's almost not a bigger band in the class than, than Walker Little because he really could turn into a perennial All Pro. 
has all the tools, has the athleticism, um, you know, I mean, like, and he knows what he's doing. You know, the, the technical acumen is the reason that he was, like, you know, one of the top recruits in Stanford history. Um, but but just because the injuries and having not played the, uh, you know, and, and when he initially played there, you know, he was a young kid and there was some issues with, with power and speed, but there always is when, when you're, you know, a freshman playing in, you know, the power five or whatever. So he, he's a really fascinating one for me. Um, as, as far as the other, I'm, I'm trying to think, um, you know, j- just in terms of Pac-12 prospects, who else I'd like, I, I haven't stacked my board yet. Um but yeah, but Jay, Jay Tufele of uh, USC, who's a local kid here, played his high school in Salt Lake. Yeah, yeah, an- an- another really interesting kid, and, and USC. You know, interestingly enough, like um, you know, I, 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 I've sort of begged on Clay Helton. A lot of people have the, the the past few years, but like you start to look at now the guys coming into the draft, you know, which are actually classes that were manifested from Clay Helton, um, starting to get a lot better, right? Like. In, in this class, it's not just him. It's the kid he plays next to inside there. Um, they have a linebacker in the class. They have a couple defensive backs. Um, and the offensive fire – well, and, of course, they have Amonra St. Browns in this class too. Tyler Vaughn's way later down. Probably won't get drafted. But then, you know, going forward, um, you know, Keaton Slovis and, and, and all the guys that they have on offense, like you're just going to see them start to – um, you know, USC sort of have a, a resurgence there. But, yeah, as, as far as the USC kids, like, on, on the interior, I like both of them. You know, I mean, like, and they, they both do different things. Um, it, you know, as far as Tufa, he it was like, I think he tested, like, as a 65th percent uh, size-adjusted athlete. Um, and I actually thought he was going to test a little bit better, to be honest with you, because he moves very well, you know, in, in short quarters. Like, he, he's a hard kid for, for offensive linemen to sort of square up, get you know, get their hooks into um, he, he's a guy that could be very disruptive. He just needs to, you know, and you guys probably know, he just needs to play with a little bit more, you know, discipline, a little bit more under control, you know, mind his technique a little bit more as opposed to just, like, I, I'm coming to you guys from Minneapolis. We, we had a couple defensive linemen that were sort of in this vein um, over over the years, uh, John Randall being the, the very, very best version of it. But we also had a, a guy named Chris Hovan who was just sort of a wild guy uh, on the inside. And, the better he got at his technique, the more it played up sort of his quirky movements, you know, because it, it, it's not just the, the ability to sort of like, you know, have, I, I suppose, in draft parlance, twitch in, in short quarters. It's, it's also that ability to uh, mentally and psychologically keep the, the offensive lineman off of your movements by being unpredictable as well. And Hovind was really good at that. That's something I see in Tufo. Um, you know, and so, like, you know, if, if, if he can keep working on that, like I said, I, I think it just would play up, um, you know, sort of how he plays in general. If there's just a little bit more technique, a little bit more discipline, I, I think he bounces up a little bit as a player. So if you were drafting late in this draft, there's usually a game changer in the late first round who then, you know, does great. You got any favorites in there? Somebody who's going to slide late in the first round, which is still an excellent spot, but they go to a good team. They don't have the hype of the guys at the top of the draft, but they got better players around them and a chance to shine. You got somebody you're circling in that area of the draft that we should all watch? As, as you're explaining that, the name that, that jumps to the front of my mind is Rashad Bateman. He, you know, the, the Minnesota receiver actually from, you know, the, the city I'm coming to you guys from. But he, he has been, you know, sort of nitpicked uh, throughout, um, you know, starting like last season and then into this season. He was looked at as, you know, maybe not the best athlete. 
Um, and then last season he had to play the slot, which he was forced into after Tyler Johnson left the team. Bayman was one of the best outside receivers in, the, in college football in 2019. Last year he gets pigeonholed into this role that he wasn't comfortable with on short notice, you know, basically with the truncated offseason, et cetera. Um, and then Minnesota had all these other issues on offense. But Bayman acquitted himself fine. It's just that he wasn't in his, you know, his, his most ideal position, which is as an X receiver on the outside. Because what he's best at, it's his route running and his play strength. Is, is how he, he always has separation. Um, and then his ball skills are awesome, right? And so, like, for me, he's a very polished guy who's immediately going to come in and be a starting outside receiver. And I think he has very, very high, um, a very, very high ceiling. Like, you, you saw it in 2019 when, when, when he was just a young kid, a, a true sophomore. Um, again, like, statistically, by any measure, uh, one of the nation's best outside receivers, he's going to drop to a team um, that, that badly needs him. I, I think, like, you know, whether it's Baltimore, and I think he would be a great fit with Lamar Jackson, certainly a much better fit than Hollywood Brown. You know, a, a guy with a very small catch radius that, that you're, you're pairing with a guy who, you know, one of the great scramblers, of course, in, in NFL history and has a very good arm, but sort of similar to Trey Lance in this class. The, the one issue, of course, with, with uh, Jackson, it's just about placement and, and accuracy. You know, and of course, in his case, it, it wasn't disqualifying at all. Uh, but, you know, in, in matching with Lamar Jackson's game, I want a guy with a bigger catch radius um, that, you know, can use his frame at the catch point, you know, if, if, if he needs to go and get balls outside of his frame, et cetera, and that is always open in the intermediate area. And that, that's Rashad Bateman. He's going to catch all the balls downfield. You know, he, he turns 50-50 balls more into like 80-20 balls. And then, you know, downfield. And then in the intermediate area, like I said, just always open because of his footwork. Like, he's one of those guys, if you watch him, like – if you watch the defensive backs, he, he's the guy that always gets them their feet crossed up or he gets them. Um, my favorite thing watching his film was when he would uh, clown a guy so bad that they would actually have to do a pirouette to, to catch back up to him to, to gain them their momentum. So, it's like, he can get defensive backs doing all kinds of crazy keystone top things, falling over themselves just because of his footwork. I, I think Bateman goes to a team, uh, you know, a veteran team like you mentioned that, that um, you know, doesn't have as many needs, but maybe one of their big needs is, is, is for a potential true number one receiver. And I think he helps that team immediately and is a, is a long-term uh, impact player. Well, it'll be intriguing to watch this play out. Thor, thanks for coming on and giving us a few minutes this morning. We appreciate it. Gentlemen, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Lead college football writer and NFL draft writer for NBC Sports Edge, there's Thor Nystrom talking NFL draft. We'll get you up to speed next on everything you missed in this show. Stay with us.